Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Ajlene. And I'm Gracie. And this is a podcast where the two of us, we take a movie, we analyze it, we ask if it's feminist or inclusive, and then we ask if the movie is good. And to wrap up Epic Movies Month, we are doing the most try-hard of all the epic movies, and that is Pearl Harbor. Yeah. You might be thinking, this doesn't have any cultural or major, you know, like, significance. Why are you talking about it? And the reason we are is because it desperately wanted what Titanic had. Oh, yeah. Desperately. Not just that. Just, it, like, was it a... It was ripped an, off oh. Titanic. And, and it was a weird American circle jerk. Oh, my God, Yes. See, the thing is, is when we first started this podcast, we knew we were going to do this movie one day. And Ashley was like, yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, I know it's garbage, but I love that movie. Ashley and I watched it last night and she's like, I don't know why I liked it. You know, okay, I will straight up tell you the reason why I liked this movie. It's because of the aesthetic. I like the 1940s as like the aesthetic. It... it, (laughs) And also, Kate Beckinsale looks fucking hot in this movie. Like, she looks fucking gorgeous. Her hair is, like, perfect. Her outfits are amazing. I I think I just like Kate Beckinsale in this movie. Like, that's... (laughs) Ashleen, was this your bio-awakening? It might have been. (laughs) Like, I don't know, man. Um, Yeah, no, this movie is hot garbage, and I do not like it anymore. So... (laughs) Yeah, I'm. I got. I got stuff to say, but first we're gonna go through the stats. Uh, so this movie has a Rotten Tomato score of twenty four percent critical, sixty six percent audience. So a little over half of the people that watch this movie liked this movie. Um, critics absolutely abhorred it. Uh, I was mistaken in the. I think this was Mandela effect because this movie came out in two thousand one. And I was under the impression that the reason it even did half as well at the box office was because it premiered after 9-11. Because you would think a movie about Pearl Harbor, which is December 7th, 1941, would premiere in November, December, especially if they're trying to cater to that, like, box office Oscar bait crowd. Like, so I was operating under the assumption that it came out in December or November, it came out in May, so... Which is... And, and that's the thing. I remember when this movie came out. Like, it was a big deal that this movie oh, came Oh, they were out. touting it as the next Titanic. Like, oh, that's yeah. the thing. Oh, yeah. Like, they, they were touting it as the next Titanic. And then they were also um, talking about, like, you know, how historically accurate it was supposed to be and how they, you know, put... Um, they, they were, like, you know, sensitive to... Because this is a historical event, and there were still people... Like, I'm sure there's still people who were part of this that, like, are still alive, but not many. But there were many more veterans that were still alive and, like, lived yeah, through 20 this. 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and lived through uh, this and decided to go and watch this movie. Like, it premiered a couple of days in Pearl Harbor. And I have to wonder, like... 
were they prepped in knowing how graphic it was going to be? Like, it was because, it was whew. shocking to watch. Whew. Yeah. Um, it, and because it came out in 2001, it was the 60th anniversary of the event, right? Mm-hmm. And because it came out in 2001, because I saw it, and then, like, five months later, we had September 11th, 2001, here in the States. It got me thinking, what if 60 years from now, they make a movie like this? Except it's 9-11, and they have a Ooh. romance story that is very similar, right? Like, oh, this, this romance story was not good. Right? Oh, it was god-awful. Yeah. Like, I, I know I haven't done the stats yet, but I'm just like, this movie has shook me in the worst kind of way. Like, I've only watched this movie one other time, and the time I watched it, I was 10 years old. Yeah. Like, and I remember walking away from it not liking it as a 10-year-old. Yeah. Right? So, here I am as a 28-year-old woman watching this movie for the first time in 20 years. I was shocked by this movie. <laughs> like I, I just felt the worst I, way. I felt like it was very, like it was too soon. Like even now, and it's like we're we're twenty years almost out from this movie, and I was just like, yeah, no, maybe <laughs> I, maybe like in a hundred years do a Pearl Harbor movie, but not this graphic. Like, there were so many explosions. It was brutal. Yeah. Um, so, a few more things before we actually get into talking about the movie, which there's not a lot of plot. Why is there not a lot of plot? It was directed by Michael Bay and produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. Boy, oh boy, those two names. (laughs) Just together. You know it's gonna be Boom! Explosions. Um, It was written by Randall Wallace. Now, Randall Wallace has done some other stuff that's commendable. Uh, You know, he actually worked on We Were Soldiers, which is a movie that, even though it's historically inaccurate and another one of those American circle jerk movies, um, gained a lot of praise. Uh, Also, Braveheart gained a lot of praise. Both of those are Mel Gibson movies. Um, So, yeah. Uh, apparently he's working on a Passion of the Christ movie. Apparently they're coming out with a sequel. It's called Resurrection. But he had worked on the screenplay for the TV show Outlander. Um, he also wrote the screenplay for The Man in the Iron Mask, which is one of my favorite Leonardo DiCaprio movies. So he likes writing historical stuff, but he's not very good at keeping it accurate. <laughs> yeah. Um, now this movie, like, okay, so it was directed by Michael Bay. You guys know who Michael Bay is, right? You've seen the gif where the toast falls and then it explodes and it's directed by Michael Bay. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. He's like... That's his entire movie career. I mean, he's made a lot of money, right? Like, especially... Because, like, his... go boom. Well, that's the thing. His, um first movie that like really went big was Armageddon which was like another like epic movie right and then there was Pearl Harbor and then there was the Transformers film which oh those Transformers films and and he's he's done like for him oh yeah and he's done a lot of (laughs) stuff since so 
You know what my favorite Michael Bay uh, directed directorial thing is? Um, no. The Aaron Burr got milk commercial. Oh my god, that was him. He directed the Aaron Burr Got Milk commercial, which has become a meme for the Hamilton fans. Oh my god, that was him. That's my favorite Michael Bay direct directed uh, short. I mean, that was a good one. It, it's memorable. Uh, <laughs> um. So yeah, the movie stars uh, Ben Affleck, who has first credit in this movie. Uh, he's been in movies like Batman vs. Superman and Daredevil. Uh, also known for cheating on his wonderful wife, Jennifer Garner, with the nanny. Who he met at uh, this movie. In this, yes. Yeah, so. um, Josh Hartnett plays Danny Walker. He was in Paradise Lost. He's been in Wicker Park. Oh, Lucy. He's had a pretty stable career. Um... He was also in 40 Days and 40 Nights. Uh, Kate Beckinsale's in this movie. She was in Click. Most people know her from the Underworld series. I mean, she's huge for that. Yes, exactly. Um, She was also in Love and Friendship, which is an Amazon movie that's based on, like, uh, a Jane Austen novel. Mm -hmm. Bless her. Because she's British. Uh, Yes, exactly. She has to star in... Some sort of novel adaption. Like, yeah. it's just, it's part of the deal if you are from Britain. You will oh. be in a period drama. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> if you are a British actor or actress, you must be in a period drama. It, just it one. Is, it is in the British contract as soon as you leave the country. <laughs> you must return to do a British period drama at some point. At some point. Yeah. Uh, Kenneth Branagh made his entire career out of putting women in corsets, so... <laughs> uh, Alec Baldwin is in this movie. He's uh, been in Working Girl, which we've talked about on the podcast. Most notably, people know him uh, for being an asshole and being on 30 Rock. Uh, <laughs> Jamie King plays Betty. She was in White Chicks, My Bloody Valentine, Sin City. She's besties with Taylor Swift. Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr., who was only in this minute, uh, only has, like, six minutes of screen time in the entire three hours, yeah. is in this movie. He plays Doris Miller. Um, he was in a movie called Radio, uh, and in Snow Dogs. He um, was also in Rat also- Race. He was, which we talked about and, when we were and recording he's done, the previous And he's done, episode. like, a lot of other good roles, but he kind of fell off uh, the radar. He's also been accused of sexual assault. Ooh, okay. Well. Hmm. Yeah, that's why I'm listing the shitty stuff he's been in. Radio is actually a good movie, though. Well, um, oh, well, most recently, uh, his big thing was he was in, uh, he was O.J. Simpson in that uh, American Crime Story thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, John Voight avowed Ray. A vowed racist uh, plays President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was also pretty fucking racist. Uh, so he's he's been in movies, you know, Anaconda. He's also Angelina Jolie's dad, which I think is more important, <laughs> you know, uh, than any movie he's been in. Though I will say, I really love National Treasure, and he's in that movie. National Treasure is my favorite trash movie, like that's come out of the past twenty years. <laughs> I love that movie. It's so dumb. I don't care. Uh, and last but certainly not least, Michael Shannon plays Lieutenant Goose Woods. Recently, he's been in Shape of Water and Knives Out. So 
Got a big cast. Not a super huge cast, but a big cast. Oh, I forgot Jennifer Garner. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jennifer Garner is also in this movie. She plays Sandra. Um, she doesn't have that big of a part. She was uh, working uh, for Alias, I think, at the time. She's been in 13 Going on 30, Catch and Release. Um, yeah, so she's a queen. Love her. There's a few, like, well-known actors in this movie just in general. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like li- having little like roles. Not, yeah, like, not, like, blockbuster actors, but no. actors that have had a decent career. Sorry, excuse yeah. me. Uh, so yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about this movie. Oh, this movie. Oh, this movie is three hours long, you guys. And it's a movie that's supposed to be about one of the worst, um, military attacks, terrorist attacks, whatever you want to call it, on U.S. soil. Um, yeah, only 45 minutes of this movie is dedicated to that. Not even. I think it's. I think the action sequences are half an hour. Well, I mean, like the first hour is essentially just Dude, this. So much ro- happens in the first hour. <laughs> it's just this weird, like the romance, right? So, okay, let's just talk about the romance part. Um, or I guess we should talk about well, Rafe, the first well, we, beginning we, part where yeah. they're in Tennessee. It's 1923, and they are two best friends, and they Rafe you know, and Danny. Yep. Uh, and they play together um, in the back of an old biplane, uh, pretending to be soldiers fighting World War One. Yep, and uh, their dad catches them in the crop duster, which is, uh, I'm pretty sure, about 15 years too early for being on a farm. But who cares about historical accuracy, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, the dad uh, gets really, really pissed at Danny... I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's Danny's dad. And, like, starts to hit him and stuff. And then Rafe comes over and knocks him in the head with a board. And then it's like, stop being a Nazi. Or stop being a German. You know, you dirty German or something like that. And then the guy just has, like, a PTSD flashback. And he's like, I fought the Germans on the Western Front. And And then he just walks away. And and goes into the house. Yeah, and Danny follows or whatever, right? So, it was a weird scene. Yeah, but it, I guess it shows that um, Danny was beaten as a child and uh, Raph has always been there to, like, protect him or whatever. Anyways, context, whatever. Cool. It's poorly done. <laughs> so, flash forward 18 years later, and it is World War II. It is raging, and the two of them... They want to be pilots, and they that's what they're doing. They're both first lieutenants uh, under the command of Major Jimmy Doolittle. He informs yes. Raph that he's been expe- accepted into the Eagle Squadron, um, even though, like, Amer- America hasn't been in... Well, I mean, that's kind of fucking off obvious but yeah um not a lot of american pilots were part of the battle of britain and also the battle of britain ended in 1940 so it wasn't going on when this was going on but who cares about historical accuracy i guess nobody in this movie i mean some of it was historically accurate but not a lot um so uh, 
I guess we should talk about the romance, right? So, like... Yeah. Uh, Rafe meets this nurse, who's played by Kate Beckinsale. Her name's Evelyn. And he is immediately besotted with her. And even, like, trades charts with another person. He's already taken his, his shots. And he trades charts with another person just to get an end with her. And then, like, she gives him the shots and everything, and he flirts with her. And then he faints and breaks his fucking nose. Oh, yeah. And she apparently finds that attractive. Because she agrees to go on a date with him. And we won't bore you with it. They fall in love, and then he has to go to England. Within two hours. Like, that's the thing. Fucking hell. Oh, It is ridiculous how fast these two are fall in love right 22 minutes in okay 22 minutes in we've already had the besties riding the plane we've already had him fall in love with her and tell her that he's going to england 22 minutes in yeah not even a half hour and and she straight up says she's like i love you and i'm like no, girl. I you know. You only knew him a month. Like you weren't even at war at this point. Like maybe when like actual war was happening, but it wasn't. Like the world. I don't know. I just felt like it was way too soon. Like I I know that there's like this romanticism of World War Two that like the world was coming to an end and people just didn't care anymore. So that you know they were like. There were soldiers saying, like, oh, I could, you know, die and, like, end up, uh, you know, dead the next week or whatever. And then girls would totally, like, you know, take off their corset or bras. <laughs> their brassieres. Their brassieres. <laughs> like, come here. Which there is that part where, um, which I thought was pretty funny, but they said, like, if you put a little bit of clove under your eyes, it would, like, make you water up. And that's what one of the dudes ends up doing. Um, and she's like, um, why are you crying? And he's like, oh, well, you know, like, uh, I I could die. And, you know, like, and she's like, well, you're mine for the night, baby. (laughs) And I'm just like, okay, you know what? Yeah, if she is a woman of her convictions, and if she wants to have sex with this soldier that's crying, by all means. But that is not Evelyn. Like, Evelyn and Raph are so friggin' boring in this moment. There's literally no chemistry. You know what is a better romance? Um, Jamie King's... Uh, Red and Betty. Yeah. Like, those two, he has the stutter, and he says, like, he has the stutter only when he's nervous. And she's like, oh, he's nervous around me, and, like, likes him. I was like, yes, that is adorable. But then later on in the movie, they completely ruined that when we find out that she was 16. Yeah. Which was unnecessary. She's like, oh, yeah, you know, like he proposed because he proposes to her later. Right. And she's like, yeah, we're going to get married in two years when I'm 19. And it's already been they've been dating for six months. Yeah. Ew. Ew. Exactly. Ew. Why? Like they they didn't need to do that. Like you could have just said like, yeah, she was nineteen, and we would Two all years understand. Till he finishes his service. Well, yeah. Then you we know? would all understand that yes, she is young and in love. 
Yeah, like, I even, like, you could just switch it around where it's, like, you know, maybe his contract says that he finishes up his service in, like, two years. And then she's like, yeah, when he finishes his service, we're going to retire together. We're going to, you know, get a job somewhere in the Midwest. Yeah. Maybe we'll settle here in Hawaii. Yeah. You know, like, it was unnecessary to make her underage. Yeah. It was just a weird choice. Yeah, it was a very Um, gross choice. Yes. Uh, so while this love story is happening, you're getting some like back and forth with Dan Aykroyd is in this movie. He plays uh, a young a young gentleman. Well, not a young gentleman, but he plays someone who is basically trying to break the code that the Japanese are doing. Um, and he's like, I have a feeling, you know, like they're going to attack us, but I don't know where my guess would be Pearl Harbor. And everybody's like, yeah, that's a dumb thing. That's so stupid. Which, like, come on. So. It's, yeah. um, Okay, so this romance again, like, um, the whole thing, too, is, like, Raph has dyslexia. So he's got, like, good eyesight, but, like, can't read, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's not good with the. That's the other thing. Ben Affleck's accent is so bad. Oh, y'all. Okay, so I have a country accent. Mm -hmm. And what I noticed was that Josh Harnett seemed to have a more natural country accent. Like, I do. You know? When I'm talking, you can kind of hear the inflection, but it's not over. You know? Like, I can put on a a southern accent. Let's let's hear that. I can talk like this if I wanted to, but I'm not gonna. Okay? I can do that. And you can still hear the country in my voice. Mm -hmm. It's there. Ben Affleck is got this weird way of talking where it sounds like he's chewing one side of his cheek while he's doing it. Yeah. I I know it's hard to, like, as a dialect, like, somebody in dialect coaching probably understands what I mean. Like, he's talking out of the side of his mouth to make an accent. And so it just kind of sounds kind of muddled like this, you know? Like, he's not real confident in it. You know what I mean? Sounds like your brother. Yeah. I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's true, though. He's got, like, this... You know, he's from Tennessee. There are a lot of different country accents. It does not sound like a Tennessee accent. It sounds like a very, very deep Kentucky accent, like, southern mountain Appalachia accent, or, like, deep, deep Alabama, Mississippi accent. Like, it's just not right. (laughs) And it doesn't help that he's got a... You know, he he grew up in Boston. (laughs) Yeah. So there's that Boston boy that kind of comes through sometimes. I don't know. The accent was terrible. Well, that's the thing. They could have, like, I I guess I understand that, like, oh, they're two Southern boys and, like, people in the South, you know, it's, tend it's, to be uh, not I think as well that off. Was, well I off. think that I think that them being Southern was a conscious choice to kind of... Because southern accents in movies are oftentimes used to recognize the working blue-collar person, right? Mm. So I think the reason that they are seen as little kids from Tennessee is because it's supposed to evoke this sense that they're just, you know, good old boys. Goddamn. Um, okay, so... Yeah, anyways... uh, Raph ends up telling Evelyn that he's joined the Eagle Squad and he's leaving the next day. And she's like, um, 
okay, I just told you that I love you. Can you, like, maybe not go? And he's like, sorry, babe, I gotta go fight them Germans. Fight them Nazis. Yeah. So then he goes off and um, ends up in England, but, like, okay. I don't care about this Yeah, I I don't. (laughs) But, like, the part where they had the British actors and the one British actor says something along the lines of, like, praising him i was just like ugh, really like really we had to do that because it was one of those like moments where because the british had you know said like oh if there were more guys like you then uh we wouldn't be doing or we would do better at this war or whatever and it's just like fuck off okay fuck off i i see what you're doing movie okay you're trying to be goddamn patriot but like the truth of the matter is when it comes to uh the western front the actual savior was the russians which is savior is a generous term well not savior one i recently before we even like decided we were going to do this movie i had recently watched um the world war ii in color documentary series which is like 18 hours and it took me a couple of weeks to watch it but the main thing i got got from that was americans did fuck all in the u.s until the early 40s and even then um they didn't do very well whereas the russians just let everybody kill each other and then took over once they were done killing each other (laughs) like the entire, like, the entirety of Warsaw, like, that to me was awful because there were, you know, social leftists fighting Nazis and then other revolutionaries. Like, it's this big old clusterfuck in Warsaw, Poland. And then after everyone had pretty much killed each other, Russia swooped in and were like, this is ours now. Oh, and that's the other thing, too. <laughs> like, uh, so World War Two is a very complicated beast. Of- oh, that's... A- yeah, it like, is not as clear-cut as they tell you in middle school. No, no, it is crazy. And, like, Russia just, it didn't really swoop in there. They went in there with, like, full force, and bec- they were pissed off, and they were out for blood. And they made sure that, like, they punished the Germans. Well, we'll see, the thing was, is originally they were on the German side. Mm, Stalin and Hitler were like, yeah, you don't touch my space. I won't touch yours. We'll be all right. Right. And then and then Hitler and then Hitler decided, eh, I don't like that deal. And then Stalin's like, the fuck you do. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, Like, when you hear the stories very generally, but that's essentially what happened. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. When you hear the stories of like what the Russians did, you're like, Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, War. What is that line from MASH? It's like war is is hell and, you know, something like that. And of the two, I'd rather go to hell. Well, you know, it was like the most messed up thing about it. So um, so when the Russians went into Berlin, they basically raped every woman. It didn't matter their age. Like, they raped all the women. That's just what happened. And it got to a point where, like, Afterwards, uh, for years, like after, there were like little boys that used to play 
uh, this game called Come Frau, where they would like attack girls and like jump on them. Yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah, not to say not to say that the German people were not absolutely. Um, oh, I mean, you know, held they 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 definitely should have been held responsible in some regard for the atrocities that they allowed to happen. But um, not every single German was a Nazi sympathizer, and it was just awful. Well, that- it, well it's like not just that, too, because like a lot of uh, Russian civilians, like I think they said 20 million Russians died at least, mm-hmm. but it could be like a hundred million Russians died. Oh, yeah. Like, Europe was a bloodbath. Yeah. Like, oh, man, just the numbers. Like, when I was watching that documentary, the numbers to me just seemed absolutely unreal. Like, I could not fathom that many people dying in one place. You figure, you know, somewhere close to half a million people in Poland, you know, six million Jews... And then another six million people who were Polish or were, you know, like workers or just not, you know, right. I Like the numbers, if you look up numbers of casualties and civilian losses <laughs> in World War II, it, it would blow your mind. Like... It's staggering. The fact that Europe was able to come out of that and create, you know, a set of uh, socially democratic countries that, for the most part, seem to work well. Yeah. Is astounding to me. Like, Germany is now one of the most progressive socially democratic countries in Europe, right up there with Norway and Finland. And look at where they were in the 30s and 40s. So... Wow. Um, so, anyways, we have gone straight into like World War. I don't history care. This is a this is a World War Two movie. So. It's true. It's true. And like it, it's so. It's like you said. It's so effing complicated. So, <laughs> um. Anyways, going back, um. Raph is shot down in the English Channel, and he's presumed that he died. Who cares? Yeah. Okay. So uh, Evelyn for... finds out. She's yes. sad. Oh no, the love of her life has died. And then she drama. And then like who cares? You've you knew him for like two hours. Whatever, Evelyn. (laughs) And then she turns to Danny and then like They become friends. They become friends, yeah. And then like it this is over some time too, because I think it was like six months. Like she thought he was dead for like at least six months, if not more. At least. But I mean like if you're if this guy that you knew for a couple of hours like goes like ends up you think he's dead for six months and you turn to like somebody else uh somebody else who happens to be your friend like that's fine and like their common thing was his best friend died and the like her love died so a new romance out of the two of them like mm-hmm. it, it happens, and it, uh, it was also way more believable, and there was way oh more God. chemistry. Oh yeah, absolutely! <laughs> like I was, I was rooting for Evelyn and Danny because, and like, Danny, Danny's just this shy, quiet, you know, hardworking man, mm-hmm. and you know he's a little awkward with the ladies, 
Whereas Rafe was a go-getter, you know? Yeah. And you know, they they kind of bond, and then, you know, they fall in love with each other, and it feels like a much more natural progression Well, that's the thing. He takes, her, he takes her up in the, in the plane, right? And then... Oh, um, yeah, that was sweet. You know, My and favorite they... favorite part of the movie. Like, and then she's like, oh you're not going to do one of those, you know, loop-de-loops. And he's like, oh, you mean a barrel barrel? roll? And then he does a barrel roll and she's like, oh my God. And like, (laughs) I don't know, it was cute. Um, So then, you know, uh, so they don't get caught. They go into the parachute uh, thing and then they have sex. Whatever. (laughs) Yes. With all the parachute stuff. I Um, mean, it was kind of like, I don't want to say that it was... Uh, like romantic because it definitely was like okay really in the fucking parachute it, ward it but like it plays like a soap opera <laughs> yeah it was done it was like melodramatic but like okay they have sex whatever very nice sex is sex is never like that for any woman it's not no. that romantic it's it's, it's dirty and it's, sweaty and <laughs> kind of gross honestly at the end it's kind of gross yeah <laughs> um so what ends up happening um is, you know, they, they're into this relationship. They're getting it together. Well, the day before Pearl Harbor happens, you know, she and Danny, like, she's about to tell Danny some news, okay? She's pregnant. She's just figured out she's pregnant. She's going to tell Danny. Well, who the fuck pops up out of nowhere like a goddamn daisy? <laughs> <laughs> but it's Raph. He he back from the dead. This made no sense. And I will have you know that we have talked about two romance lines. This yeah. is at the hour mark of the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the thing. It's like we are an hour in to a three hour movie. And this is where we are. <laughs> oh. Okay. Uh, what is your Alexa doing in the background? Um, it was it was my Siri, and <laughs> apparently it told me that there are there is Rush Hour three, three thirty three a.m. The Witching Hour, Happy Hour Part three. I didn't even know there was a one and two, and um, twenty three. 59 the haunting hour so very nice yeah cool um so yeah the we're an hour in rafe shows up and he is like evelyn i'm alive and she's like oh no this can't be happening and he's like i still love you surprise and she's like but i'm in love with your best friend now yeah and he's just and he's like he's he is shames her pissed. he's like you whore yeah oh he yeah he doesn't call her a whore but it's pretty heavily oh implied. yeah like he is mad he's pissed <laughs> and he like punches danny in the face and, and he's then like they go and get drunk yeah and he goes to like get drunk and i'm just thinking to myself i'm like Dude. He's just mad. He's just mad because Evelyn didn't have sex with him. It's true. Like I mean, <laughs> you, she only knew him for like a, a very short. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like she thought you were dead for six months, and she moved on. Yeah, bro. Like, uh, yeah, and you guys didn't even down. like you didn't even 
Like you kissed a little bit. You didn't even have sex. Ugh. And so- he feels like he owns her. That's a oh. that's a thing in this movie. There is a lot of male ownership going on with her feelings. It is not cool. No, um, it's really you can tell. Gro- like you can even tell the- there was no woman in the writers' room. Yeah. That's, that's for effing sure. Yeah. Why um, are you saying for effing sure? We're not in Disney dives. You can say fuck. That's for fucking sure. There you go. Uh, yeah, no, like it is, it is really gross how this is tr- like portrayed. It's almost Wait like. Wait till we get to the end of the romance part, you guys. Oh. Wait till we get to the end of the fucking movie because I have things to say. Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> Anyways, it is uh, it is the night before, you know, the thing, right? And there, there's, like, a lot of background stuff going on where it's... Um, it keeps cutting back to um, What's to going Washington, on in Japan. DC yeah. And Japan, yeah. Yeah, and that was the other thing, too. It was, like, they would show things where, like, the, this, the lead person of the Japanese army was, like, oh, we're doing something wrong. We shouldn't, you know like piss off the beast or whatever and it's like that didn't happen like nobody cares um so yeah anyways uh danny finds the uh raf who's drunk and he wants to make things right and they get into a fight and then they drive away and like they avoid you know um like getting put into the brig by the military police um, by like you know getting away from the bar and then they f- later fall asleep in Danny's car yeah that rhymed <laughs> well they do um and then you guys it's happening also uh Doris oh. Miller is a character in this movie for all of five minutes he's a black cook who ended up getting a medal of honor but he's just so lazily thrown into the movie like, you have no attachment to this character. Oh, he's yeah. in a boxing scene, and then he's like, yeah, I didn't know I was going to be a cook when I got on the ship. And Kate Beckinsale's character is not racist, which seems weird considering the era. I'm pretty sure a white nurse would not have looked after him. Yeah, but cool, whatever. Um. So then, yeah, he really is kind of thrown in there, like, as a... Hey, this is a real historical figure, that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, um, and he's and he's black, so Yeah, that's, that's important. We're not like, racist. Yes, we, exactly. we have a we, we have a black we, character in this movie. Who we give no character development to and who doesn't really matter to the plot, but here you go. Yeah, yeah that's what it feels like. It I I it, it irritates the shit out of me when this this is the kind of diversity thing that I don't like in a movie, right? Like, if you're going to have a person of color in a movie, especially in a historical movie, why don't you give them some more airtime than two minutes to say, hey, this is a person that was there, and they're important, Yeah, you know? that's the thing. Like, this is a whole movie that really just focuses more on the friggin' romance aspect. Like, it, most of it is that part and then they lazily throw in this 
like this guy who actually was there as a like and won a hey, medal look. of honor the first african-american man to win the medal to get the medal of honor yeah and he gets five to ten minutes of screen time tops yeah tops and he's not even a central focus in the boxing scene and he's not really a central focus in the scene where he's being treated for treated by the nurse after the boxing yeah. Because it's Kate Beckinsale. It's Evelyn. Yeah. You know? It's... Uh, it's gross. It is. Um, So, they're asleep in the back of the car. Shit has gone down. The Japanese are moving in. And then Pearl Harbor happens. And the next 30 to 45 minutes of the movie are action sequences. And they are very very graphic and they don't even really humanize like any of the japanese characters like there is that one moment where like there's a very small moment where it's a guy who is writing to his father say like uh a cause a kamikaze pilot which i don't even think kamikazes were not a thing at this particular moment in the war yeah they weren't even a thing but like i guess so then uh, he saying like you know he's doing this for his country or whatever right and then there's him in the plane and it shows like a picture of his girlfriend uh, yeah. and and that's it that's all you get right yeah Um, and like <laughs> here's the thing that pisses me off about this movie it is the overwhelming amount of patriotic shots we get <sighs> that would not have been happening it's very like Oh, there are children playing baseball. The innocence of America is about to be shattered. Like, I get that's what they're going for. Kids are not playing uh, baseball at 7 o'clock in the morning. No. Um, No, but, like, it really did show that, like, that American flag waving in the distance. Yeah, like, Americana. Like, what was this, a Norman Rockwell painting? Like, Like, that's definitely what they were conveying. It was yeah. like, oh, man, we eat apple pie and bullets for breakfast. <laughs> like, that's really what they were... Like, it was so obvious, and, like, that was, you know, the point. But, like, I, I know I've said it, but it was a fucking American circle jerk. Like, yeah, that's what this movie was. It it really was. Like, when I think of U.S. military involvement in movies, you know, um, Renegade Cut did a really great uh, breakdown of how the U.S. military plays such an important role in movies. Like, the reason Marvel movies aren't really anti-military is because the military helped to make them. There, There is a propaganda unit in the American military that allows for, like, all those NFL flyovers and those NFL football games that are sponsored by the U.S. Army and stuff, that money comes out of the defense budget. And it's to help recruit numbers. What better way to recruit numbers than to look at how patriotic we are the shit out of everything. When we know that the uh, thing that actually recruited a lot of people after... Like, this was, you know, several months afterwards. But when 9-11 happened, a lot of people joined the military. Yeah. And, and that's it. that's not just America. A lot of people in Canada joined the military. I yeah. had I had an instructor in basic training who told, who told us that he joined the military 
just after 9-11 because of 9-11 and I would like I think about that now and I'm just like dude like and it's because of this weird this weird way that America specifically capitalizes on these horrific attacks in order to propagate war America's really good at war like we're we're not great at a lot of things, you know. We're not good at healthcare. We're not good at uh, social safety nets for our poorest and most vulnerable citizens. We're really, really good at fucking other people's shit up. Um, you know what? Like, really messes me up too. Uh, and I know this is like a little bit of a side note, but the fact that you're like the military, like they haven't sent people home. Like, with this pandemic, like, military members are still active duty mm-hmm. and still, and, and there's, oh, honey. Like, like, honey, uh, a Navy captain who was like, hey, we have COVID-19 on my ship, 400, 500 people are sick. He got reassigned. At first, they said he was fired. And then they said, no, he's reassigned. He has now tested positive for uh, the coronavirus. And... 400 500 members of his crew were sick and he got a hero send-off from the crew when he was relieved of his duty on that ship oh i know i saw that um so here in canada like um my brother is in my brother's in the military right he's been home for weeks because Mm -hmm. of this because they're like they have called back all of our missions and uh because of this um, and and I, I'm going to say it, like, we're doing it the right way. I mean, we have our own problems and there are a lot of people dying. But, dude, not as much as y'all do down there. Like, you guys are fucked. Well, that's because um, one of the main things that happened after 9-11 was this sense of patriotic duty and, like, just, like, I I don't know how to explain it. Um, the corporate news is very good at propagating war. Mm-hmm. Um, Fox News is super good at it. Yeah. CNN and MSNBC were also pretty great at it, too. And that's the reason we even got into war in the first place, especially since when you consider... I Like, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but historically accurate, right? All of the people who took part in 9-11, except for, I think, one or two... We're from Saudi Arabia. Right? Yeah. So we didn't bomb Saudi Arabia three days later. We bombed Afghanistan. We did a c- civilian hit on Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this movie, they do the same thing after Pearl Harbor, where they take out civilians, civilian casualties. Um, it's not a lot. <laughs> we actually did pretty shitty in that Doolittle raid, but it's a revenge porn fantasy, basically. Like, it's a revenge fantasy. You know, those Japanese killed us. We're going to kill them. That kind of thing. Yeah. It was awful. Well, that's the thing. It's uh, not like they could really show the actual cost of this war that really messed it up with yeah. having them, you know, four years later dropping the atom bomb. Which was uh, a war crime. Yeah. It was a war crime. It was a war crime. 
Um, also, Which America is the only one. Uh, America is the only country I think that did not sign the Geneva Convention. So we don't believe in war crimes here in America. Um. Yeah. So I don't know, man. This I is... know we're tangenting. Uh, but this is this movie is just not historically accurate. No. Anyway, but I mean that's the other thing too is like. There are a lot of these American war movies, especially about World War II, because it's like this idea of the glory days, maybe. And, I mean, there's no glory in war. None. Absolutely none. War is absolutely horrific. And anybody who is advocating for war probably doesn't have any real stake in it except to make money. Yeah. Because war makes a shit ton of money for rich people. Yeah. Not for the poor kids they're sending overseas to die. No, you won't see Dick Cheney's kids fighting in war. No, you'll see uh you'll the see, kids uh, of the kids of Flint, Michigan. Not to <laughs> You'll see poor kids from small country towns like mine. Yeah. Who don't have any other options because they can't afford to go to college, which is another thing that America does fantastically is not pay you know, not have affordable college. Yeah, we're great. Woo! America! Anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anyway, <know>. so <laughs> this... Uh, the big America. battle happens. Ships go boom. Yeah, and it, you know what? The, like... This movie is horrifying to watch. Like, it's... Yeah. It's, uh... But I have to... I have to make a mark. There are several scenes in this battle sequence that are rip-off Titanic scenes. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> the fucking ship going over, like... Yeah, the, uh, and the then ship capsizing. Yeah, people hanging from it and falling from it. And hitting and, things while they fall. Yeah. And, or... And things like kind of having these little moments of like what are supposed to be humanizing moments of like people under the decks or they had that one cook uh who was buddy's friend and like him saying oh this is just you know a boom and it's like sorry what (laughs) yeah it's uh you should have heard me while we were watching this movie i was like hey you know how titanic did this wasn't that great every time they did a basically shot for shot you know thing that was in titanic because this is what this movie is it is a try hard it wanted to be titanic so bad you guys so So fucking bad it wanted it wanted all of the oscars all of them it got one (laughs) Uh, and I mean, it got it for sa- best sound editing. Hilarious! It did get nominated for four o- Oscars, it but did. it also got uh, nominated for six Golden Raspberry Awards Very and nice. won. And I think it won worst picture. <laughs> yeah, um, it's yeah. So one of the things you see is Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character Doris, who goes out and mans a gun and shoots down a whole bunch of planes. Um, and that's his character. Also, there's a dog, and the dog ends up surviving. That's all I care about. <laughs> you know, it's because you're a white girl. It's all you're supposed to care about. <laughs> I mean, I care about people too, but like, and you know what? If there was a cat in this movie. And it survived. I would care about that, too. Yeah, it's true. I, um, I am for all animals. All, all animals. Uh, so, 
Don't so, <laughs> so the big battle happens. Um, we see Rafe and Danny. They, uh, you know, fly some planes. They shoot down some Japanese pilots. Woohoo! They win. Kinda. Not really. Because now we have to pick up the pieces of a terrorist attack. Uh, what I hate about this movie is that it's called Pearl Harbor, and you spend 45 minutes on the movie, but you don't deal with the immediate aftermath. Like, oh, at all. Yeah. Like, there's no immediate aftermath scenes with Danny and Rafe and, uh, and, and Evelyn, except when she's doing blood transfusions. Um, and even then, it's literally two seconds, and they're like, yeah, we need to go help these people out of the ship and everything. Oh, and that um, was like the other thing too, right? Is um it showed scenes where like medical uh like buildings were being attacked which didn't happen. No. Um the Emperor of Japan was very specific. He said only attack the naval like only attack the military bases. Do not attack hospitals. Which the Japanese were not great when it came to citizenry. The rape of Nanking is one of the worst war atrocities ever committed by anyone. But he did say just the military marks with this mission. But they didn't do that in the movie. They had the hospital kind of almost being blown up. Uh, uh, an ambulance being blown up. You know what? I think that's where Betty died, was she was near the ambulance that got blew up. Oh, okay, because I didn't, I didn't even know. We didn't see her die on screen. Yeah, like, Betty dies, you know. The 17-year-old happy-go-lucky girl that's engaged to Red, the guy with the stutter, she dies. She didn't matter to the plot anyway. I had no emotional attachment to her. Yeah. Like, everybody in this movie was basically cannon fodder. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, I have I have something to say about that, too, right? Because, like, later on, uh, there's, like, they put on one of the bombs, this is for Betty. And it's, like, it's like ugh, God Again, damn. it's that, it's that, it's that revenge fantasy. Yeah. Is what it is. You know, like, they hurt us, we're gonna hurt them. The Doolittle Raid did barely any damage. Yeah. Um, it only made Americans feel better. It didn't accomplish anything. Most every single plane that went on the Doolittle Raid, which is what the last 45 minutes of the movie are about, you know, barely anyone who was on the Doolittle Raid actually ended up, you know, accomplishing something. Most of them ended up coming back alive. Two or three of them drowned. The rest of them were POWs, of which four were executed by firing squad and the other three released. Um, maybe killed a hundred civilians altogether. Yeah. Uh, and the whole purpose of it was to blow up an oil refinery in, uh, in Japan. And it kind of did that. Um. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, that's the other thing, too. Like, I don't know. There's, um, just the, like, little moments. I don't know. It was all pretty friggin' horrifying. Like, when, uh, they have, uh, the sinking, um, Arizona, right? Uh, and he and pulls then- the Arizona flag out of the water. I think that was the only part of the, the action sequence that I liked. You know, but just not that too. Like um, when they're trying to like cut through the metal, and then like 
the hands come out and the sailors die and like so like that actually happened there was you know guys trapped in the the ships and one of the most horrific ones like stories is um the the three sailors on the uh, west virginia that um was stuck like they kept trying to like bang on stuff and like people could hear it um but they were stuck there for 16 days and it took them 16 days to die in this like air pocket in the uh west virginia yeah and they yeah horrific yeah um most of the casualties even though it seems like 4000 people die um most of the casualties were actually um the people that got trapped on the USS Arizona I think there's somewhere around a thousand or eleven. I think it was eleven hundred people on the Arizona that got trapped and died. And I mean that is now like it's still at the bottom of Pearl Harbor. Yeah, it is. It is considered a graveyard. Like it is a cemetery. It is a national yeah. cemetery. It yeah. is. It is. It is uh, relegated that way. That's what that is. What it's called is a national cemetery. Yeah, because they just can't recover the bodies. Well, like I mean. Because that's the thing, they did raise some of the um, some of the ships. Like the West Virginia was raised again, but mm. the Arizona wasn't. No, it was you know. Um, and despite all of the damage that the that Pearl Harbor uh, attack did, most of the ships that the Japanese hit were within working order within six months. I think it only sunk three ships, like destroyed them to the point where they couldn't be used. Yeah. So it wasn't even a super great attack as far as taking out the Pacific fleet. So, yeah. Um, Also, uh, historically speaking, the Pacific fight was an absolute bloodbath. And the only reason that the U.S. decided to use atomic bombs is because even though the U.S. was winning on the ground, they were taking heavy casualty losses because the Japanese were fighting um, to the point of death because... They, you know, they had surrendered their life to the cause. So they were completely fine with dying, you know? So, um, so anyways, that happened. The Doolittle raids happened. And uh, let's let's hear it, Gracie. What part do you absolutely hate about this movie? Okay. So before they, go, <laughs> before they go off on the Doolittle raid, uh, Evelyn, you know, has a talk with Rafe. And she tells Rafe, you know, Rafe's like, you know, do you love him or me, basically? And she's like, I love him, you know, and I'm going to have his baby. And he's like, what? And then she's like, don't tell Rafe, though. I don't want him to be distracted. So neither Rafe nor Evelyn know, uh, or, or Rafe nor Evelyn tell Danny. Well, shit goes bad. Danny ends up being killed by a Japanese patrol. After he crashes his plane. Saving Rafe's ass. Danny is there. Blood everywhere. Gunshot wound to the chest. Choking on his own blood. Dying. And Rafe goes, Danny, Danny, you can't die. You want to know why you can't die? Because you're going to be a daddy. And then Danny goes, no. (coughs) You are... And then he and then he dies. And are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> I hate that. Yeah, you can totally fuck the woman I love now. 
Yeah. And then it's like, after the war, Rafe and Evelyn are now married. And then they, they Mm. named him, they named the son Danny. And then, and then Rafe asks his stepson if he would like to go flying and they fly off into the sunset on the old plane that his father once had. Y'all, this is the <laughs> shittiest of shit endings. <laughs> I hated it. It made absolutely no sense. It was also super weird because Rafe's character is literally in the movie for 45 minutes altogether and most of it is just him being an asshole. <laughs> And yet I'm supposed to believe that he and Evelyn had a happily ever after after she lost the love of her life in a raid and didn't tell him that she was pregnant before he went. Um, yeah, so that's the other thing. They totally must have got divorced. Oh, for sure. There's no fucking way those two ended up together because he was blaming her. He was slut shaming her when he came back after being dead for six months. Mm hmm. And he's like, I can't believe you didn't wait for me. Like, I was, you know, oh, God, it's just so I thought gross. about you. Like, you helped me survive. And then she was the last thought like, when he, I thought I was going to die. And, 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 like, he is guilt tripping her. The fuck out of her. Whew. Oh, it's just awful. I hated that ending. Like, it makes me furious. <laughs> I, like, when he said no. You are. I would. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, that was exactly what I said. <laughs> yep, she did. Uh, I've still got residual anger about it. It's so dumb. Um, <laughs> so, you want some errors? <laughs> sure. Let's, let's hear it. Uh,. Um, when the Doolittle Raiders are practicing their takeoffs, the flags in the background indicate that they are on a downwind departure. Anyone with any knowledge of aviation knows you take off into the wind, especially if you're trying to shorten the takeoff run. Um, <laughs> in the scene where President Roosevelt is expressing his dismay with the Americans not doing more to aid the Allies in Europe, he mentions that the U.S. needs to send more tanks to Britain and Russia to provide aid. At this point in time, early 1941, the Russians were still an ally to Nazi Germany. (laughs) But who cares about facts? (sighs) I have a lot more. I'm just just trying to to go through. Um, The Japanese did not bomb hospital areas. Many Japanese aircraft preceded the strafe civilian areas after hitting their initial targets they you know did kind of clip civilian areas in Oak Harbor but they didn't actually bomb them um also you don't fucking use oh god what are they torpedoes on a land target I'm not even in the military and I know that I don't know that much about about you know large arms, but I know that a torpedo is for water, and you don't use it to try and bomb something on land. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Ugh. God. I just... the uh, Well, 
I, I'm just, there's a lot of, you know, like, the Doolittle Raid is loaded with errors, you know. Oh, oh, we didn't even talk about the newsreel guy. He, oh, yeah. <laughs> that didn't happen. Newsreel guy ends up dying. Yeah, that was the thing. Like, <laughs> was so why? Like, why would they have this buddy, like, this guy die? I don't know. Why was he even in the movie? I, you know what? I don't know. Like, he just, it was unnecessary. He didn't, like, they didn't need to put that in there. Like, why wouldn't he just follow them around if you wanted to do that? But no, he dies, like, during it, and we're supposed to care. Like, I don't care. He's a guy that takes pictures of people on the beach. Also, the newsreel stuff that they used was from the later stages of the war. But they just, oh, yeah, this is newsreel footage. Let's just pop it, it in there. And that's the thing. There is newsreel footage of Pearl Harbor. Yeah, they kind of superimposed that in. But yeah, did like, they? No. No. <laughs> uh, oh, also, when uh, the guy gets um, the news that they're about to be attacked by Japan, he's golfing. Who the fuck golfs at 7 o'clock in the morning? That's it, best time. Just, you tee off, right? I know nothing. I about worked golf. on a golf course, and they did not get their asses up before eight. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it was too cold. Uh, it's just there's a lot. Uh, there's a great video about Tor 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 where they talk about the inconsistencies that are in Pearl Harbor. Which, if you want a more decently accurate movie about Pearl Harbor, I highly recommend Tora Tora Tora. I watched it when I was in high school during my AP US history. It's got Pat Morita in it. It's fantastic. It's a more historically accurate film that focuses not only on the American side, but the Japanese side and almost has like a facts forward kind of, um, you know, feel to it. Whereas this feels like American war propaganda. (laughs) Fun fact, that is why I named my cat Tora. It's for the movie Tora, Tora, Tora? Yeah. I'm yeah, it's, that is not That is not the reason why I named my cat Tora. Uh, Tora means tiger in Japanese, and I called my cat tiger in Japanese. <laughs> yeah. Such a dork. Uh, it's yeah. just... This movie was like... Um, what's a good word for it? Trash? <laughs> well, yeah, it was trash, but it was, um, disappointing to watch. Yeah. Um, oh, excuse me. I messed up. It wasn't the Medal of Honor. Uh, the character who was portrayed by Cuba Gooding Jr., Doris Dory Miller, was the first African-American to be awarded the Navy Cross. Okay. My mistake. It was not the Medal of Honor. Um, um, however, uh, General Doolittle, who at the time was, I think, a colonel, you know, the guy played by Alec Baldwin, he actually did get a Medal of Honor after the Doolittle raid. So, even um, though he lost all of his all of his planes. Uh, that's the other thing, too, I want to say about this. Uh, why were those nurses getting Purple Hearts? Like, did they get shot? No. <laughs> that was a weird thing. I didn't understand either. <laughs> I don't know if that's historically accurate or not, but I get the feeling it's not. 
Because yeah. they don't count PTSD as a wound. It should be counted, but it's not. Yeah, well. Um, I have nothing else to say about this movie. It was hot garbage, whatever. Yeah, um, Jerry Bruckheimer and Michael Bay. Uh, don't do historical <sighs> movies. Please don't. Yeah. Please don't. Um, now, uh, as far as tests, Bechdel test to name two female characters on screen alone talking about something other than a man. It does happen, uh, with the nurses. Then you have the racial Bechdel test. You have two people of color on screen alone talking about something other than a white man. Well, if they'd given the other cook a name, <laughs> I think that he had a name, but they didn't really mention it in film. So, yeah. fail. Then you have um, the Macomori test. You have a woman whose agency is not based on pushing a white or uh, pushing a male narrative forward. Kate Beckinsale's entire character arc is based around the men in her life. Which is, like, unfortunate. She has no agency in this movie. Not really. Everything she does is motivated by Rafe or Danny. Which is too bad, because, like... I liked her character. There was potential. There was potential, but like. You can tell there were no women in the writing room. Yeah. Um, then we have the DuVernay test. You have a person of color whose agency isn't based on a white narrative. Um, Dory's the only person of color that's given any kind of screen time or arc. And he really doesn't do anything to advance his own plot or storyline. I, yeah. I guess. Which is a pity. Like, oh, God. They could have done so much more. They could have made him a more central character, but they just treated him like a token, and it, it's awful. Um, uh, the other thing I want to say about this movie, technically it's a Disney movie. No. Yep, it was produced by um by Touchstone Pictures, which is owned by Disney. And distributed by Buena Vista Pictures, Ooh, which, which is, is definitely Disney. So <laughs> this is technically a Disney movie. Yay. Um <laughs> The Wonderful World of Disney. Man, I tell you what. Um, you know what? They didn't have that Disney magic in it, okay? <laughs> yes, they did. It's a fantasy. Oh, oh, I guess it was technically a white boy fantasy. It is true. God, if Rave and Danny aren't the most self-insert characters I've ever fucking seen. It's true. <laughs> Ashley and I have really cracked it. Self-insert characters are the way to go. <laughs> I mean, they barely had a personality, and they're all they're both fighting over this... Like, I mean, they're the Bo and Luke Dukes of Sky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Bo and Luke Duke, the Dukes of Hazard. Oh my you know? God! It's just oh good my old boys, never meaning the harm. <laughs> it beats all you ever saw. Been in trouble with the law since the day they were born. God, <laughs> I'm so disappointed in you. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> You should be. Um, but Kate Beckinsale was not in Daisy Dukes. I know. Also, Wait, is it, it... Okay. 
<laughs> that character is she like their sister in that? No, she's in- their cousin. Oh, so she is not a romantic. No, she's not romantic with Bo or Luke, but she does Thank use her God. sex appeal. You know, Thank there's a reason. God. There's a reason they call short shorts Daisy Dukes. All right. Um, yeah. Anyway, where was I at on my tests? Oh, uh, sexy lamp. Can you replace a named female character with a sexy lamp and not take away from the plot? All the yeah. nurses, like, they really yeah. don't matter. Um, and then Vito Rosa test, are there people in this movie who are presenting as a GSRM, gender, sexuality, or romantic minority? Do they matter to the plot? No. None of that. <laughs> um, so we what? Have-, have a movie about history with, like, gay characters? They were just friends that lived together for 30 years and never got married. Just friends. Just gals being pals. Guys being dudes. Just gals being dudes. That's a good Vine callback. (laughs) Um, Yeah, anyways, I'm done with this movie. Yeah, me too. Um, Also, I think this is the end of our epic movie month. We're kind of uh, scheduled ahead. So I think next month we're actually doing Mel Brooks movies. I'm excited. I think we're going to start off with Young Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's start with Young Frankenstein. That's my favorite Mel Brooks movie. So I'm so glad uh, epic movie month is over because we've watched three three three-hour movies this month. And I never want to do epic movies again for a very long time. Oh my god, no. Every single one was three hours long. Yeah. These were long ass. Like, why did we want to do this? Because it made sense. Maybe we should have done... Maybe we should have done girl power movies instead. We probably should have, but here we are. are. It's already done. All right. Well, we will see you guys next week. (laughs) Didn't even say that right, but whatever. We will see you guys next week with Young Frankenstein. Okay, bye now. Bye. Bye.